Hello and welcome to season three, episode eighteen of the dive. Eighteen. I'm joined by eighteen Azale and seventeen pastry time because my Z could not make it. <laughs> I don't know why you're seventeen. I don't know why though. I mean, I guess I'm I'm younger than oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark didn't show up. Hopefully he's okay. We don't know. Yeah. Yes. If you're out there, please go check on Mark for us. Yeah. If you uh, see him, he's lost. He's wandering around. Yeah, we'll have a reward. Uh, I think you can return our mark to us. Yeah. I think you're stuck in a, a perpetual, like, real-life auto battler. <laughs> like somewhere on, like, a chessboard out oh, there no. in the fields. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that just happened. We announced the team fight tactics. Auto battler, I guess, is kind of the genre that people are trying to create for, uh, for this type of game. And it's not... It is going to be in the League of Legends client. It's not really related to the LCS at all, but I got to play it early, and I know that uh, yeah, played you it played it a lot over the weekend. What are your thoughts so far? It's actually really fun. So, like, I have, like, less than five games of actual auto chess, uh -huh. and then maybe 10 to 12 games of teamfight tactics. And I know you've played, like, a, a ton of the genre, but as someone getting introduced, like, I think it is easier as a League of Legends fan to enjoy the product, but it's actually really fun. Like games are relatively straightforward. Like there's lots mm -hmm. of different experimenting, but I can tell in the genre, there's a lot of depth. And so it, getting to explore that's been quite enjoyable. Yeah, uh, we definitely gave a lot of feedback to them for, uh, you know, after the testing. I think that they're gonna continue to iterate, especially on the depth part. Um, and I'm super excited for it to come out. I know Isaiah hasn't gotten to play it at all yet. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> played it yet and, and auto chess, Everyone around me was playing auto chess, and I was not playing it specifically because I knew I would get addicted to it, and I didn't want my life to go down <laughs> into the auto chess rabbit hole. But you're fine getting addicted to all the other games that you play. But I'm not really addicted to any other games. <laughs> okay, okay. I mostly just play League, and I play single-player games, right, where I don't get fully sucked in. Uh -huh. It's the same reason I didn't play Fortnite or Apex. Because I thought I would get addicted, so I didn't play. Uh, but I'm really excited for TFT because it's in the League of Legends client, so it's fine for me to get addicted to. <laughs> so, right? you know, that's like a prescribed medication exactly. to get addicted yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. I'm playing the, the company's game. Oh, there you go. I'm just being a good worker. <laughs> you, you're allowed to play it. That's why you can get addicted to exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. I should get a raise if I get addicted to it. <laughs> <laughs> Become an expert in it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm pretty excited to try it out uh, because, yeah, everyone around me who's been playing auto chess for a while, so I've been wanting to play it. And now this is like my reason. So uh, definitely going to be in there. Can't wait for it to come out. This is such a weird mental gymnastics that you do just to play a game. You, you yeah. play, play tons of games. We're, we all play tons of games. Yeah. I mean, time is precious now that I've gotten older, I think. Like, I've noticed that more, like I play mostly mobile games now because like, uh -huh. I can play them like in bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mobile games. I'm oh sorry. my god! I'm sorry. I, I this still is like have not played a mobile game. I'm like dishonoring I play, Kobe here. I play Hearthstone <laughs> on my phone. Oh, uh, actually, I did do sometimes that. Sometimes I yeah. do that, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Those are also dangerously addictive. I need a big. I, I need a big screen. Yeah, yeah. I, I like playing Switch. It's funny though, because when I play my Switch, I I play that always on the thing. Yeah, not on TV. So that's but the, like I'm the same way as you because I always want to play on PC or like. So well, that's the thing. That. Again, as a mobile gamer, Switch is the greatest console ever. Almost any game that comes out on that console, I will play. Like Slay the Spire has been out for like two, three years almost, and I just started playing it. And I'm, I would say, for me, relatively addicted to that game. I've put like twenty-ish hours in it already, and I've only had it for like 
two-ish days. <laughs> but like, again, I can just play it anyway. That's pretty so. relatively addicted, yes. <laughs> 10 hours a day. Yeah. yeah you're but it's right great. There. But if, when on PC, I was like, I'll wait. Even though I knew I would like the game, I had to wait till it came out on a platform that suited me. Sweet. All right. 9.12. Let's get into some League of Legends. Uh-huh. There's a good patch. 9.12 is coming out soon. Uh, what are kind of some of the highlights uh, for you guys? I like that the metagame is shifting away from, ideally, away from what we've seen at MSI. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved the MSI metagame, but after watching all the LCS games last weekend, I was like, okay, I can kind of see how almost every draft is going. Not that many teams are willing to innovate. I feel like I've seen a lot of these pictures before. I mean, like, yes, you can think of some teams like Optic, like, playing their own style. But I think, like, Silas is a champion that, like, was 100% presence, who's had one loss, I think, one or two losses uh-huh. in the weeks we've seen him. And as much as I love that champion, I'm also ready to see other champions take the spotlight. Uh-huh. You're all ready to move on. You've had enough of flex picks, of powerful solo like laners picks, beating each other Silas up. Silas is too, like, Silas was too good. <laughs> like, he was true. a really fun pick. I still hope he's prevalent in pro for a very long time uh-huh. but there's too much Silas and he's too strong so I'm glad that he's getting changed and I think the changes they made are really appropriate like when they first nerfed his W and changed his Q that was the right direction it has turned out that like they overtuned the Q a little bit I feel like uh-huh. and maybe not accounting for how powerful his ultimate is so now that they're taking out a lot of his wave clear, a lot of his like stuff that isn't his ulti, which is supposed to be the big hallmark of his kit, yeah. I think ideally he'll land in a much more balanced place and people will complain less and then I can play Silas happily again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Silas gets some touches. Uh, Aatrox gets some touches. Rise rework again. again. Yeah. Ish. It's like 3.5. I do like that you, you don't get the guaranteed root anymore, right? Uh, for setting up ganks and stuff yeah. early. Uh, and it does make you really play into the spell flux combinations. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that part of it is good. I am a little bit worried about how it's going to feel to play against as a melee champion. Yeah. Uh, where the E always bounces. So that to me sounds like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, well, Rise is going to max E. And anytime I try to CS ever... He's going to be bouncing his E on me in lane. And that just sounds really miserable. Like, that sounds like Teemo levels of miserable. The interesting change is the bounces don't deal damage, right? So, like, the Q does damage in AoE still, but you have to use your Q now and commit to AoE. So now I think, like, at least the decision point's a bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. There might be that Ryze is still too good because it turns out he's a pretty difficult champion to balance. But I, I agree with you when I first heard that. I'm like, that seems ridiculous. But now reading through the changes... It seems like they're making a very reasonable attempt at keeping mm-hmm. the kit intact while trying to balance a very difficult champion to balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and he's never really a problem. Well, at least I, I should speak for my elo, you know, in Diamond or whatever. He's not really a problem in solo queue, right? Like, you know, not in mine either. Maybe is in Challenger and stuff, but like it's mostly been a pro play type thing. Um, one of the things that I've I've been kind of I've been talking to some pros about, and and after the last couple of weeks with all of these range supports coming back in and Lux coming back in. And now I'm seeing some Lulu buffs. Crit Marksman got buffs. Ardent Sensor meta is coming. Ugh, it is don't coming. Don't say Ardent Sensor. Ardent <laughs> Sensor is coming. Because You're Ardent like Sensor was it? Was I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it was really, it's different. It's like the the name that must not be spoken. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it's coming, buddy. And and this is a, a lot of a lot of the people I've been talking to think luck support is just like unallinable yeah, that you just can't you can't do anything about it if they're playing aftershock. And this last weekend we saw um, two games where it was actually played with guardian, uh, and that was essentially using it as an answer to more poke heavy lanes. Uh, it worked well there as well. Uh, and I, and I think like from 
you know, kind of my own thoughts and, and also talking with some more pros, I feel like a lot of the the best answers to it are just going to become outgreeding it with other range supports, right? It's like, okay, well, they're going to play Lux, so I'm going to play Sona. Mm-hmm. Now now the Lux has to play aggressive or or I'm going to get an advantage because people don't feel like they can all in and actually kill this champion. So um, Biofrost has only played range supports so far. You know, this split, it was... Uh, Two Luxes, Zyra and Yumi. Uh, I think that there's a lot of those style of champions that are going to be pretty viable. And especially if we're seeing Caitlyn and Jinx and these types of champions, having those shielding supports is so strong. And and the Lulu well, buffs make me a little bit nervous. That- so I am fine with range supports in general. Like Zyra is not a shielding support, no, right? Different. And that's like big damage. Oh, okay, you know what? There's a big risk to this Zyra play, right? Yeah. You can bully somebody in lane, and I know it feels super bad for people in lane. Um, but when you get to kill the Zyra, you know, walking around trying to ward, <laughs> yeah. uh, you pass too close to a mid laner, you mm-hmm. instantly evaporate or something like that. Uh, those are exciting moments for me. The scary part about these buffs are what you mentioned, the Karma and the Lulu mainly in this patch, and 912. Um, because, I mean, Lux is already there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lux isn't in this patch. The Karma and Lulu in this patch, uh, that started to get me a little bit worried as far as like, you're talking about moving on from the MSI meta. I'm already like, MSI meta? I, <laughs> that, was, that was one of my favorite well, metas. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm complaining about like all these cool flex picks and like high skill champions that are very exciting to watch. And uh-huh. Kobe's just dreading the return of Ardent Center. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, uh, as a player that's been around for a while, what's like worse as far as meta games go? The Ardent meta or the Oracle's Elixir meta? Because I do not hold Oracle's in very high regard because I watch uh, so many games. Of League of Legends. I, like, I would say way. 100% for me is the uh, Arden Sensor meta. Uh, <laughs> I, I am just traumatized from that entire stretch. Your item also still exists in the game. Yeah. So it could return. Yeah. yeah um, it definitely got changed. And I'm sure that they'll keep an eye on that, right? I mean, we you want, in an ideal world, you want all the champions to have a place. Mm-hmm. And that can be also helped by like not giving one item this warping game-changing power yeah so if lulu and karma start to take over then maybe they nerf more of the shielding items i know they've touched those shielding items over and over previously so yeah. i'm not super worried about it it's it's in the but back whenever, of my head though be yeah, exactly whenever you see something like that you get you're like oh my god well, is and, it happening again and just after all the all the lux this last weekend and we yeah. know sona is becoming more popular even independent of Tarek, sona is becoming more popular around the world you know we're seeing it paired up with other things mm-hmm. then these changes come through and some of the talks i had with people over the weekend it was like oh god uh the the karma thing also uh <laughs> i'm like well you have an additional 1 second of speed up and 10% more on the slow i'm like tank Karma top? Oh yeah. no, not you know, again! That is it's that is so not fun to play against, and this feels like just even better along those lines of, of being able to cut you out and and kind yeah. of just like the klepto karma autoing you. To that. Especially if we look at it from the LCS window here, uh, tank karma is not even fun to watch. I mean, the first time it's pretty funny, and you're like, Haha, yeah, he's trying to kill that guy, and he can't. Now he can't do anything except when you're that guy, and then when you're the guy that can't kill. Yeah, or that you yeah. watch it five times in a row, and yeah. you're like. All right, it's getting old. I wish somebody would kill that karma. <laughs> like, I want to see somebody that get Riven in here. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I like that we nerfed Yumi, and now there's potentially three other supports that are unkillable coming back into the metagame. Yeah, she got touched on this patch as well. Yeah. The other thing is, I don't want it. Whenever you have those shielding supports gain tons of power, mm-hmm. it warps the whole game into the best strategy is usually 
around your AD carry. Like basing the entire game around your AD carry, I don't think is something that we should go back to. They yeah. spent a lot of time and made a lot of mistakes getting us out of of that type of um, you know, idea. Um, and I I kind of like where we've been able to move to where marksmen and AD carries, you know, are important, but you can also have super important solo laners. Like you mentioned the Riven, I don't want to get away from a, get to a world where you're like, well, it doesn't really matter if you play some cool champion like Riven or Yasuo, because later in the game, you just get polymorphed by Lulu or whatever. Yeah. And Lulu's buffing up the enemy marksman and does 10,000 times as much damage and your individual plays matter less and less. I want mm -hmm. individual plays to matter more more yeah yeah and, and i know that a lot of pros were already talking about on, on the previous patch that they think games are won through bot lane now and you know and we had been seeing more uh you know five man bot and like hard commit bot plays even at the expense of top laners lanes uh in some of those games you know going down a bot um spoken like so, a true top laner by the way so when <laughs> i have I to see... go down there it's terrible i have to help these guys out i mean when top when the other top laners tping the lane and you're tping the bot it's at the expense of your lane of course the bot lane better be carrying that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> otherwise you're doomed <laughs> i think it was pretty fun to see the reaction of the FlyQuest game versus tsm though mm -hmm. because we're seeing just the the beginnings of it but they're is basically this healing, shielding, support lane, the Sonoteric lane, right? Which yeah. we already know is, has, has been a very powerful and kind of warping thing for pro play. When people saw that get, get killed by Viper's Riven, Everyone is on the Riven side, right? Yeah. There's nobody that's cheering for the Terex Zona like, you get him, sustain through and shield that Riven, make that Riven useless. No, everyone's like, yeah, get him, Riven. Yeah, I mean, that's part of why when TSM people- fans agree? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, even, wait a second here. <laughs> I mean, they're top lane plays carries too, right? Even Pike's a cool champion. Like, that's a champion that is good in that game. Of course, in of course. Case, yeah. I mean, like, I get why people complain about champions like Silas and Akali, but I think they're good for the game. Like, obviously, healthy balance is important, but uh. I prefer when people are being aggressive and, like, there's a counterplay between this assassin trying to kill you and you trying to outplay them mm -hmm. yeah. versus, like, just spamming John yeah, E yeah. on them and having them live. <laughs> but, like, I also want shielding playstyles to be interesting and feel fulfilling for supports as well. Mm -hmm. I was a support main for too many years at this point, so I know the power of Janna, but I also know the pain of, like, this champion sucks and I can't do anything. Yeah. I think shields in general sure. are very difficult to balance. Like, Lux is basically a good support in part because of how powerful Prismatic Barrier is, and then everyone's like, oh, if that's good, then maybe Lulu Karma's good, and they got buffed, and here we are. So... I see where you're coming from, where you don't want the like the impending doom of Ardent Center to rain <laughs> back down upon League of Legends and have the games be bot centric. Um, I just it's tough to say what the answer is because again, I don't want the people that like playing those champions to feel like they can't pick them either. I mean, everything just to me needs to be an option, not the option. Yes. right, and that that is ideally. All right, Jack, you've been on the balance team for how long now? Fix it. Is it not perfectly balanced <laughs> yeah, yet? Yeah. Where everything's an option, yeah. nothing's op. <laughs> I mean that that's that's the ideal world, right? Um, I, I think the flex picks are super exciting, but I also can understand, you know, what Pacer's talking about, where it's like you're going into every game and it's like, whoa, I wonder what they're gonna ban. Oh, it's the flex picks. And <laughs> yeah, I, it's cool though, because when we get to champion select, you know, and we if you know the meta well enough, you're just like, they're gonna first pick. Silas, and everyone's like, oh, <laughs> but then you see that multiple times, and yeah. you're like, wait, he's saying the same champions over <laughs> and over. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're on to you, Kobe. Don't give away the tricks. I think the other thing trade-off wise for me is like I don't like when shielding supports can be solo laners. Like you're talking about tank karma and like uh, Lulu uh, mid was prevalent for so long. Like I'm fine with shielding supports being an option, but when you can give them all this gold, it goes from like this is frustrating to this is oppressive. What about Lux mid? Do you consider that a, a shield do you consider that like supportive? Because people are like Lux mid was used as as a counter to Zoe, but I know in solo queue and stuff, uh, I see a decent amount of just like, you know, Athene's second and and that sort of things, so, or or people go Ludens into into Ardent in solo queue a lot of times, and then you just have a bunch of AP and gold and levels, and you have these fat shields earlier. Yeah, I mean. Lux is such an still interesting champion. Yeah, I mean, at that point, like, I think the the, the answer good. is that, like, her W is probably too good. Like, for a while, it was like, I don't really know what to do with this champion. So they're like, make Prismatic Barrier good, because there is some skill expression there. But that was when people's philosophy was like, I'm only going to build full AP Lux and buy Magi's and try and one-shot you. Now that people are like, oh, this Arden item good. Oh, this Athene's item is good. When you can have like a ton of AP, potentially one-shot a carry, CC the enemy team, and shield your entire team for like... Some absurd, like basically a, a, like a good champion. A so what you're saying is funnel the Lux. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> yeah. She's a very she's kind of inefficient farmer without AP. So that might be tricky, but otherwise, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> but How I'm do you Pokey feel? Funnel. All right, well, moving on from the the shields, what about this uh, Aatrox correction here? Because they have a bunch of simple changes, yeah. changes. And we mentioned all these soul laners you're talking about that kind of defined um, what we saw at MSI, you know, with the Silas, the Rise, uh, Aatrox. Aatrox, Aurelia, a lot of these strong solo laners are getting the, what they have classified under as simple changes. Now, the biggest one to me is actually the early game cooldown for Deathbringer's Dance. Deathbringer's um, Dance, yeah. That's a lot. Like, when you get hit with that thing, that's so much damage for the trading. Changing it from all incoming healing to self-healing on the ultimate, there were cases where you just, you see... Him on a team that has other sources of healing, and you're like, whoa, okay, that should definitely not, yeah. you know, be a thing because Soraka will full heal him uh, effortlessly. Yeah, um, I've played against that, and I got super tilted. But <laughs> I, I don't think that this is like a, a super big nerf because even in Aatrox's own kit, like there's a substantial amount of self healing. Part of it is from Deathbringer's Dance, though, after the change. Mm -hmm. So maybe so that hits a little bit of the damage as well as some of the healing and sustain. I I honestly think that this is not going to change anything for pro play. Mm -hmm. I, I think that maybe this is a like a slight his lane phase a little bit weaker. That's about it. And and I honestly think that if for pro play it actually matters less. I think Deathbringer's Dance rarely gets to be used in those types of trades because during lane, they're not willing to just sit there, hold their Deathbringer stance yeah, yeah. and not CS, right? So people pay attention to, they know the animation change when it comes up, they take a step back, they wait till the person takes CS and they go forward. So I, I think for the most part, it doesn't actually matter. Most of the time when you're using it is you're like coming out of a bush with it already off cooldown or whatever. Um, so I don't think that makes too big a difference. I think the cases in which external healing affected Aatrox made a lot of difference in those situations. Like, yeah, I think it's about, good they took that out. <laughs> I, I was playing against this, this uh, with the Soraka bot lane, and it's like, he would just pop his ult and dive you, and Soraka ult heals yeah. for so much yep. more. Especially, like, at level 16, it's actually absurd. I played a game against a, an Aatrox who had uh, Black Cleaver, uh, Death Dance, and a Spear Visage with a Soraka on his team. And that it was sounds like level great. 16. He's getting, like, 80% more healing or whatever. It gets redemption from zero to full. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the level one Aatrox ultimate already gives you more than a whole Spirit Visage yeah. uh, does itself. Yeah. 
It's, so. it's, it's definitely pretty insane in the circumstances where it happens, but like, I don't think this actually really pushes the needle at all for pro. I still think that, you know, he's yeah. going to be very good. His wave clear is going to be good. He's going to have like good lane harass. Uh, you know, a- anytime you are ahead, you are going to be able to proc the, the ultimate passive. So you get the, the blow bow resets. Like that stuff is, is all still easy to do. Yeah. His team fighting when he's on the winning team. Oh, it's so dumb. So insane. So I think he's such a good Turn champion. For teams that snowball, right? If you you pick an early game jungler, you slap an Aatrox in there. Um, I mean, we've seen teams use Aatrox like this. Like Cloud9 played a ton of Aatrox before mm-hmm. this change lost split. And I remember watching Comsode pick with basically no frontline, and the frontline was Aatrox. You would just run in there, do as much damage as you can, let the Worldender absorb res him, and then you win the fight. And you don't need a tank because you can afford to draft all these damage dealers because Aatrox is effectively frontlining while his ulti's up. And now that power in Aatrox is even more pronounced with this change. So I agree that he still snowballs the game. I think this removes a lot of the like really crappy feeling cases where it's like like the Soraka thing you're talking about where it's mm. just like he's literally unkillable and this feels terrible but I, I agree that it doesn't really change him in pro I think you'd have to change the healing numbers on the ulti maybe to a little less than Spirit Visage to make a, a, an impactful difference there alright what about the new champions let's start with Mordekaiser Ooh. because Mordekaiser uh, you can play right now on live I haven't put a game in yet on the new Mordekaiser because we woke up and came here <laughs> but I'm going to Try him in jungle for sure. Yeah, uh, because I I know that it is passive does work on large monsters at least, mm-hmm. and I generally don't enjoy jungle champions that don't have a move speed buff or a dash of their own. But uh, his E pull seems like I mean at least in the video it's like a really long range. So I think that might be enough. And I like to try everything in the jungle first, anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that'll he he can he's gonna be strong. Um, whether he ends up being a solo laner or a jungler. Mm-hmm. My my major concern and something I kind of want to mess around with and see if it actually works mm-hmm. is uh, for pro play. If you can just go full tank and just alt the carry every yep. every fight and just be like, well, I'm not gonna kill you, but you're not in the fight, and we're gonna win four v four. So that's my main concern. So I want to see. Uh, I was planning on playing some games of it today and, and trying out that. Um, if you have to be like full AP one shot style more, then I'm I'm less concerned because mm-hmm. I still think that's like way more abusable. Um, but if you can be like relatively low economy and and you know not, I'm going runic skills. echoes in the jungle. By the way, for sure. I mean that makes for sense. Sure. Um, but I'm just talking about my my main concern <laughs> yeah, for this yeah. champion is if you can just go full full tank and just like walk in a circle and have their carry out of the fight. So interesting tidbit, you can QSS the ultimate, I heard. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. What? Yeah. That I just saw crazy. I just saw someone say that on Twitter though. I didn't I haven't checked it. Huh. But how do you Let me QSS look at like a I, world? I default to trust though. So <laughs> I'm gonna say you can QSS the ultimate. Because <laughs> I was I was gonna say if you if you cannot, this is something that could really counter the like art and sensor AD comps. Because imagine the, you know the world in which it's like is just in the like shadow realm, the four shielders and the and the Kogma, yeah, and yeah. you just like, well, Kogma is coming with me. <laughs> yeah, for how long do you survive with that Kogma? I guess. I mean, if you're full tank, right? You just you're running away from him. Yeah. You're, just, <laughs> you're hiding in the brush after you ult him, and your team's winning the four v four. It's beautiful. Then I just play. then I just feel like the shielders just shielding the tanks, and nothing happens, and then the Kogma pops back out and wins the team fight. So. Yeah. I was thinking I mean, maybe if they only have one shielder, then you ult the shielding the support, dude. like the Lulu. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can go. I'll go to the Shadow Realm with versus Lulu. <laughs> the Kogma, you guys deal with that Kogma. You know, I took away the shields. I did my part, 
right? You I'm, couldn't kill yeah. him? What were you doing? I mean, uh, I know Flowers is actually surprisingly excited for Mordekaiser, which is interesting because he plays only Skana. I guess, like, his ultimate is, like, a super Skana ult. Instead of impaling him and dragging him back, you, like, <laughs> impaled him into another realm, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he was talking about how, like, if you uh, ult the jungler, like, they yep. presumably can't smite, which is another cool thing I didn't think about. So the ability, like, there's lots of good single-target ultimates that effectively remove people from fights, Mordekaiser actually removes you from the game for a very temporary period of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very easy to, like, easy to understand ability when they're like, oh, it's just a powerful like, single-target ultimate. Mm -hmm. But the effect it has on the game is really interesting to watch. So I hope it's pro-viable. I think it's super funny that Captain Flowers, you know, just loves Skarner so much and he plays Skarner only Skarner and he's excited for Mordekaiser if Mordekaiser's ult is also QSSable. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like QSS is literally just the counter to Flowers. You know what he was playing uh, also before uh, when, when Skarner started getting banned, he started playing Warwick a lot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm noticing a trend. Yeah. <laughs> you should play Vi. You can't QSS that one. I guess you can like QSS. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that but... fits into his, uh, <laughs> his playbook then. He has to play yeah. things. He can play Lissandra. Yeah. He all he he doesn't really like playing League of Legends. He likes forcing other people to buy QSS. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. There you go. That's that's that's, that's, that's the that's the strat. Uh, one other thing, Azale, as a top laner, um, are you excited to try and like split push with Mordekaiser? Because for me, he's the ultimate. Never pay attention to your to your um, what your team is doing. Literally, you can always split push if you have your ultimate available. Mm. And if they send people to try and gank you, then you ult one of them. Not only can you maybe kill that person in trade, but it wastes so much time. Yeah. You have to fight them, you know, during the whole duration. And your team should be able to get something done. So you can always just split push to your heart. I mean, I'm ten. down to split push on anything, as you, <laughs> That's as true. you know. So uh, I'll, I'll definitely try that out. Can, can you get, I assume towers still shoot you if you ult them under their tower, right? I would assume so because like the brush and all the terrain remains. Yeah, the same. yeah. So I, I would assume that's the case. Um, but yeah, no, it, it does. It does seem pretty strong. And I, and I mean, I do think that that would. It's going to be another champion. I mean, old Mord was also scary to gank, to be honest. Like you know, if, if he was yeah. post six. Um, but it does seem even more frightening where you know Mord could just alt the jungler as he wanders in and, and, and kill him really quickly and then you know run away or whatever. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting. Um, I'm pretty excited to try him out. Uh, I didn't really play a lot of the old Mord, to be honest, but he, he was always a pretty cool champ. Yeah, it's interesting. I just realized that if everything does stay, like towers, then Baron would also stay. So then if you ult the jungler, it's like your, his smite versus your nothing, and you try and kill him, I guess. Yeah. But it, it really depends on the mechanics. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how that all works. All right, what about the other new champion? This one oh, we have less uh, information on. Yeah, how do you say it? I think Kiana. Kiana is Kiana? Okay. how I was reading it at least. This um, one's for sure a jungler. They literally stay in the thing. They're like, you got to use all your abilities against walls and rivers and brush and stuff. And they're much less useful in something like the mid lane. And I was like, oh, cool. They're literally in the in the description telling people <laughs> not to mid laner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, that was definitely a jungler. Uh, and it does... She does have an invisibility with if something about like shooting it into brush or out of brush or something. I think out of brush, and you can make like a trail of invisibility mm -hmm. that you can follow. Yeah. So but anytime there's stealth, I think that's yeah. Cool. So the brushes give you like uh, some sort of stealth. The river gives you like a slower stun, I think. Yeah. So it goes in the ice, and then walls just like crack people against the wall. Yeah. Like this, I'm so excited for this champion. Like. It's, again, as a mid laner, it's been a very exciting time with all these champions getting released, like Aurelia, Kali, Silas, and now Kiana. Um, I actually chatted to the designer because, like, 
Jet asked me to play test this champion, and I went to do it, and then I didn't have time because a meeting came up, so I haven't unfortunately gotten to play her yet, which would have been great. But I'd been talking to them because I was so excited after watching the trailer. Um, his number one fear is that people will stop playing her because she's too hard. Mm. And I was like, okay, on like levels of Yasuo, like how difficult is it? And he's like, well, Yasuo's experience curve is way like continues going on for effectively forever. But he's like, I think Kiana is harder than Yasuo to learn. Hmm. But once you get once you get over the hump, it plateaus. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that like it's a champion so cool that the biggest worry is like I think she might be too difficult and people don't want to play her. That that to me sounds like it's it's more of a knowledge based difficulty than a mechanics difficulty, Definitely. right? And and then at that case, I think you will start to see people play it more once someone figures it out. You know what I mean? Like once once Bjergsen's playing in pro yeah. and you're like, oh, that's how you do it or yeah. whatever, then people will go do it. Whereas Yasuo is like, oh, I see that you're doing that, but my fingers don't work that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, so that's 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 pretty interesting because I have heard that it's very complex as well because the spells do different things based on where you're using them and how you're using them yep. and all that. Mm-hmm. I have just watched the video, so I don't really know a ton about Kiana. Um, it looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, and, I, and I think it's, you know, it's supposed to be an AD assassin. And it seems like it's from the jungle. So uh, definitely will be fun to I try. I think it's supposed to be a mid laner, but you maybe can play. They say in this it. thing, much less effective when there's not terrain around. It's like the mid lane. It's definitely been designed to also play in mid lane. <laughs> maybe they're thinking it's a talent. You just push and your wave. Co- and you Kobe, maybe they're baiting you. I'm not a jungler. They would never ask me to play test a jungle champion ever in my life. I know. I just, <laughs> I just liked that line uh, yeah. because it does give me... Uh, Gives you hope. Full authority to pick it as a jungler. I like that there is another complex AD assassin though. Like we haven't had an AD assassin. I guess Aurelia, who's kind of mixed, Meh. but like like Talon and Zed are the ones that come to mind. And Zed yeah. is cool, but at this point, Yo, Zed Talon's cool. Talon is cool, but like Talon's very straightforward, <laughs> right? Talon does his one thing and he does it very well. Yeah. Zed is a cool champion, but I think he's been around for so long that there are lots of people that are very experienced with the champion, so there's a lot more resources. Kiana is like designed to be very complex uh-huh. in a role that hasn't seen a lot of love champion-wise for a while and has a bunch of new mechanics that should be really fun to play with. Yeah, definitely exciting. So I'll be playing this champion only when she comes out. All right, let's get into the LCS then, shall we? Quite the week that we had. Guess who's our number one team? Who is it? None other other. but the 10th place ranked dive (laughs) team. (laughs) Team Optic, they're number one. Don't check the tapes. (laughs) Don't check the tapes on that one. Um, I mean, honestly, when when we were ranking stuff pre-season and we got down to the bottom like three or four teams, we were kind of like, it's one of these ones going to be down there. But I do think it's really funny. That we all ended up with, like, okay, I guess we'll put Optic there. Mm. Uh, and there's, they, yes, they have had the easiest schedule opening, but they also, uh, what was the last game they won? Because they also just beat one of their first difficult opponents. Yeah, FlyQuest, after FlyQuest had the Riven smashing game versus TSM. So Optic, I think, are looking good. And of course, we're already highlighting Medios and Crown. Yeah, uh, and they are definitely performing. And I, and I think the the reason it's more exciting for me that they're four and zero is not just oh yeah they happen to win some yeah. games. It's that they're doing it in a different way that gives me hope that they actually change the link. Because one of the main reasons I think we had them at the bottom of the standings was we're like, well, it seems like they just kind of do the same thing. They haven't really, you know, like they didn't change any players. They would have to really be able to kind of reinvent themselves as a team to to kind of rise in the standings a lot. Um, and we weren't sure that they were going to be able to do that. And and they have shown us a different version of themselves. 
else, right? You know, last last season, a lot of the concerns were, okay, yeah, you're putting Dokal on these split pushers, you're not playing towards him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of like Medios and Crown versus the world. You know, they've put uh, Dokal. <laughs> so you're saying Poppy Duty is the solve all solve solution? <laughs> I mean, he is playing really well on Poppy too. So, so I do think Dokal is playing well. I think it makes more sense if you're not going to play that side of the map, you shouldn't have been playing split pushers in the first place. And their bot lane is also performing better. Like we've had multiple games where Arrow is the only consistent form of damage and they're drafting for that and Arrow is performing well. It just feels like the team as a whole is doing better and they have moved Crown more to kind of the split push crazy guy. Uh, and I think that that is, that is something that like suits suits him and and their style more because he is he is the star of the team as far as like the as far as that goes he's such a strong individual player we've seen two tf games and in both of vladimir and the Salas, he was playing side lane pretty heavily as well um so you know they have this kind of pretty defined style where it feels like they're playing a lot of split push but it makes more sense that since medios wants to play around crown anyway he should be the guy split pushing because he should be the guy that's ahead so you know I, i'm pretty excited for what this team has shown uh, my main concern is just what does it look like once they get uh, taken off some of these, you know, priority picks. Uh, Poppy is something that a lot of people have been talking about. You know, what is his next pick after that? If it's just like Poppy and then back to York, baby, uh, then that's concerning. But yeah, if it's Maokai, if it's if if they have you know more of these tanks that can fit the same role, I think then things could be looking really good for Optic. Yeah, yeah, it feels like this is like a very refined version of what Optic tried to do a lot of in the spring, and it is impressive to watch. I think Poppy is certainly a champion that you take away. It, get, it gets to a point where a team has shown you the same thing enough times yeah. that you just have to force them to show you something else. And when I think about like tanks that are popular in top lane, I didn't think Poppy was that popular, but she's working out. But I can't think of a single other tank that's currently pretty prolific that I would be comfortable putting Dokal on right now in this metagame. So... We'll I see. Think Scion is still solid sure. and stuff. Like you can, you, like I. Because the new Maokai is always good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think I think Poppy's pretty insane in this meta because guess what? All the flex picks do they dash a lot. Like <laughs> Aurelia, Akali, Aatrox, uh, you know, all all these these sort of champions that are that are so popular right now. Um, you know, it has a pretty good matchup against Jace, which is very popular in the early game. Uh, Lee Sin, you know, Yumi. <laughs> there's there's a lot of champions that are are very popular that are like pretty one-dimensional that are run forward dive in you know they have a lot of, of move blocks they can actually block by poppy so i think poppy's actually really strong in in the current meta uh, against a lot of these champions you guys are talking about all these top lane tanks i've just think it's so cool they're using twisted fate for sure yes I- for me if a team ever you know uses a champion that no other team is using so effectively that they start to draw bands on that i'm like that is the best feeling. That is the biggest win, right? If you're like, I could use this trash. No one else is using it. <laughs> Boom. And then you make people start banning it. That feels so cool. I just think that's cool that Crown has, you know, multiple wins here on the Twisted Fate. He absolutely smashed the last one. He was like three levels he, up on his opponent. Yeah. That um, game was one of the Lich Bane, full AP. Like, it was actually so funny. One of the most impeccable Twisted Fate games I've ever seen. And this champion has existed for a very long time. So. Ah, okay. But, you calm I, down. Go watch a couple more uh, Messiah reviews or something like that. I mean... It was a good game, right? And he had a bunch of farm, and he played it really well, like split pushing. The only thing that I would say to like bump it to me up to those like best legendary, legendary yeah, of all time yeah. or something are some like crazy innovative plays, right? For sure, there weren't 
and and level of competition to me also matters for yes. this. Yeah, right? Yeah, if you're going to call one of the so. greatest games, that has to be against one of the greatest teams, right? Because if you play TF against me and you slam me, guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean much, bud. Matters to me. Sure it matters to you. <laughs> it might, but <laughs> but not to the audience. The, the other thing about TF, though, and this is true in Solicue, this is the champion that's good when you're good at playing the map, right? There's a reason Apto is known as such a proficient Twisted Fate player. Uh-huh. But in pro, like Twisted Fate taxes your team and your coordination. So winning with Twisted Twisted Fate isn't just about can you execute, and Twisted Fate is surprisingly difficult for a very simple champion, but your whole team has to be on the same page to play, to make Twisted Fate look as good as he can be, and Optic are playing very well to their mid laner, who is clearly their star, who is also performing on these champions. So to me, it's so much credit to the team and their infrastructure to build a team that looks so much more refined after only two weeks of play when the divers are riding them off at 10th again. Welp, <laughs> this weekend... They are playing Cloud9 and Team Liquid. Yeah. So now it, it's one of those things where, like, now they're getting tested, but if you, like, keep getting tested and don't lose, like, at what point do you say they're now the best team? Right. At we'll, the we'll, point we'll, where we'll, they yeah. beat Cloud9 yeah. and For sure. We'll learn a lot about that this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that is definitely the point. I, I think that it's, it's, I mean, thus far, they play, you know, one playoff team and, and then a bunch of teams that were essentially at the bottom of the standings, yeah. right? Um, you know, if, if they beat Cloud9 and TL, damn. Right, Cloud9 has already been playing well. TL is going to be ramping up. I know they're they're in full swing as far as practice. Everything goes mm-hmm. um, after MSI now. So, you know these these are really really tough opponents, and people want to see. Uh, for me, again, it's it's not only can they beat or challenge a top team. It's what happens once people start inevitably banning out some of these picks that you are relying on, because I do think that will happen. Uh, it's something that I think has been somewhat sorely lacking in LCS. Uh, just in general, this split is people are too obsessed with banning the meta and not banning mm. the players. Uh, I think it's the same thing that we're seeing with Golden Guardians. It's like, all right, Ole gets Tom Kench twice in a row, absolutely slams the game. It gets banned, they get blasted, and then the next game, guess what? He they uh, don't need to ban Tom Kench, and then they blast him again. So I, I think that sometimes you do need to target players and more than just like default banning all these same champions, right? Like if you're playing against Optic. I don't think that you need to ban all these all these meta flex picks that are going to go top because that is not the way that Optic wants to play the game anyway. Like, great, he plays a Kali top, but if his jungler never comes up there and yours does, the Kali's not going to do anything. But then you, if, like, okay, so it, again, it's, it's like you're saying you have to balance between, yeah. like, how powerful are these and uh, based meta on the picks, team right? Playing. And base it on the team, but what's to say that they don't? use it successfully, and then you get super hard flame for for letting the meta stuff through. I do think that you should be target banning people, especially mm-hmm. in cases where you don't think that they are as like super proficient on those champions. Like the Ole Tom Kench is a great example. I don't think you get to have leeway to do a whole bunch of target bans no, no, and throw them all out the window, but it can always be a strategy, right? to ban a bunch of target bans. And then even though you're giving up some OPs, you get some back, right? Because yep. you, if you leave up enough, then the first round, there's going to be multiple ones available. And yes, the enemy will probably get to choose or get two for one or something like that. But I, I do agree. And in, in a lot of cases, it is definitely worth um, you know, taking out the primary pick. For me, it's kind of hard to first optic because I look at the poppy and I'm like, I honestly thought that people were going to be playing stuff like Maokai yeah. um, a lot before. A lot of the teams had been scrimming it. They were telling me, "Oh, it's going to be, it's going to come back so, in such a big way." And I was like, 
you know, as much as all there's all this talk around, oh, he's played the poppy multiple times. I do think that there are other tanks you can use kind of, you know, along that vein. Maybe not quite as successful, but I don't think the Delta is as extreme as, you know, giving over the, you know, Aatrox or Silas versus yeah. big things in their previous states. It's it's definitely interesting. I mean, I think that there are other tanks that can replace it. I think that the other tanks are way more punishable in lane. I mm -hmm. think Poppy has the best laning phase of any tank now. You know, it actually wins against Jace early, right? Like, there's no one else that is doing that sort of stuff. Whereas Maokai has a lot of uh, lane matchups that you will get blasted. And um, and I do think that if you can survive those lanes or if you can pick it after your opponent has picked, then you're fine. Um, but then that's some more another you know kind of draft. Are you more worried about the Poppy versus Optic or the Twisted Fate? Poppy, because I think that if if there is not another safe tank, then it, it gets in a situation where either you're defending your weak laning tank or you're having to play towards a carry. And Optic have not shown the ability to really do that throughout all of spring. I don't think they played well to topside when the win conditions dictated that, right? And I'm sure that they are looking at it through the point of view of, oh, we're picking a strong laner so we don't have to go up there. But I often think that doesn't pay off if you're picking something that that also doesn't scale, right? Because great, your Yorick survived lane and is now down 2K. Now what's he going to do in a team fight, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah, it's... <laughs> At some point, you just have to force your opponents to change. And I think, despite now the bent, the draft system being much more uh, dynamic, I think still some teams are stuck in the idea of like, well, our first three bands should just be the best champions. And you just cannot afford to be that inflexible in champ select. Like, yes, probably don't pick off two targeted bands, especially somewhere like red side, but throw one in and then navigate through the rest of the phases and then throw your target bands in phase two. Like, I think if you're just being like, well, these are the three champs we always ban and we're not going to push our opponents off their style at all, it's kind of like, not banning a champion that keeps beating you in a best of five. It's like at some point you just have to ban what's working right now because getting like getting people off their comfort champions, forcing them to show different strategies, just like making them do something else is a strategy in and of itself. So is anyone going to take Optic in their first game versus Cloud9? Because I do think that Cloud9, even though they did drop a game, are right now playing like the best team in the league because... Team Liquid is very up and down. They've made mm -hmm. a lot of mistakes, dropping multiple games. Um, I'm pretty excited for for this matchup. I don't think that anyone is going to take Optic. Huh? Not 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 hey, a little matchup. bit of bait. I think <laughs> I think it's actually not like that mind blowing to take them. I mean, Cloud Nine I still think is a better team, but it's one game, right? Like I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. Um, I mean, you know, we saw Cloud Nine make some pretty significant mistakes against Golden Guardians. Do it. I still, I still probably gonna count Cloud Nine, but but I don't think it's like I don't think it's like massively in, the, uh, in their favor, right? Um, but I do think that Cloud Nine would be a team that they have one of the really strong laning top laners who can punish these sorts of picks and you, can play Poppy gonna, and just yeah. pick the Poppy away. Like you don't have to ban it. Yeah, Licorice is a really beast Poppy. Yeah. He's got a really deep champion pool too, so I think if you're forcing Dokal onto another pick, but you can you can rely on Liquid. Well, then yeah, or like Rumble, like right, <laughs> who've seen who's seen a lot of play as well. I think Cloudan will obviously look to get an advantage in the top side. For me, I think mid jungle is really cool in this matchup. Like both bottom lanes are fairly like mm -hmm. solid, consistent, tend to play like just kind of to farm out the laning phase for the most part. But like Medios is looking amazing. Fanskaren might be the best jungler in the league at the moment. And like Crown is playing really well. And Niski is super solid. Yeah, I so, think it's actually the two best junglers going against yeah, each other yeah, right I agree. now. Um, I mean, Medios had that one mistake going to Raptor camp early um, without his mid laner support. But that's about it. He's been playing super well. So this is probably a battle of the top two junglers for right now. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a really, really hype game, actually. I mean, if Optic... 
is able to to make it really competitive or to win i think that's you know really kind of shake things up as far as as far as the the standings go because there has been a lot of of kind of brushing aside and myself as well of like hey yeah well tsm and, and tl didn't have the best start but you know we're still kind of expecting them to to start doing really well but the the more uh, we start seeing these these teams, these kind of like unexpected teams taking wins off the, off the big three. Um, and the later into the split we're getting and it's still happening. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I'd say probably the one thing that I was most worried for Cloud9 for was Niski's Azir in that game. Yeah, Niski made a, a couple of mechanical mistakes, but also just kind of some decision-making mistakes. Like yeah. when he went all in on Ole, when he still had yeah. you know, great health so and all that. The interesting thing about like how we talk about Cloud9 is we, you know, we say they're the closest to G2 in NA, right? They're like very aggressive, willing to take... Wait, so do you mean stylistically or what are you saying? In the sense that like everyone credits G2 for being hyper aggressive and taking risky plays. Cloud9 are the team in NA that take the most risk. So yeah. Real, like, real, so I would if say you they're like the 60-40 team. If yes, that's what, you that's mean, what I'm right? trying to get like, at. It, it, yeah. they're, they're the one that's willing to take risks. I totally agree. But I don't think they're the same as G2 no, no. as far as like, like when you compare bot lanes, very Agreed. Like when like you compare that, them yeah. to each other, like G2 is... Like there's a there's a divide there yeah. and a very clear one, but I'm saying like as far as willingness to take sixty forty play, totally agree. I think in that game they actually just needed to play more conservatively, and so not being able to see a little more discipline in those situations when your comp asks you to be very disciplined is kind of like I get why they did it because like they kind of were relying on Nico only to get things done, but I think the danger of cool things very much affected Niski trying to make that play around Baron. If you just do the you know the normal like. 90% play. I think that game goes a lot differently most of the time, but they took the risk and this time it bit them. And I think even though, yes, they're a team that is good at taking risks and executing on them, you need to also be able to have enough discipline to be like, we should just make the straightforward play here. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all percentages, right? If you have, if you have uh, a 20% chance to win a game at the current point that you're in, then a 30% chance play is great, right? If you have a 90% chance to, to win the game at the point that you're in, then even a 70% chance, like a 70% play is bad, right? So it's it's all just being able to actually understand, you know, what your current strength and your current chances are kind of in each game and, and making decisions based off that. Um, and yeah, certainly they, they really messed up, I think, around the Baron, um, you know, going for that turn when it's a 5v3, you can just use the Azir wall to push out the jungler and finish the Baron, right? And instead, he tried to scoop in the AD, dives past the cannon, who then roasts their whole team, right? So it's like, that was, uh, you know, a pretty huge mistake, certainly. Um, but those things happen, and I think you are going to get some of that when you have a team that's playing aggressive. All right. Cloud9 still strong. I, I think... We'll do predictions anyways, just because I want to see if that last minute bait take here. <laughs> I predict Cloud9. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cloud9. I mean, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, I can predict optics. It doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> uh, Come on. I, I mean, it, it, I think, I already said, I think that Cloud9. All right, right. you're predicting Cloud9. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I just think. Moving that, on to the fourth place teams. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got, a, we got a big bundle of teams here. Also, Clutch won some games, so Freak has to wear a cowboy outfit. We haven't forgotten. Yes, that's true. He bet that and, they would win some games. Knowing he has that he to was talk like that. a cowboy the whole time. I don't want that on. I do not want that. <laughs> that is going to make for a terrible. As someone right. that's experienced a lot of freak accents, I definitely don't want that. He's definitely going to do it regardless. <laughs> like, okay. He'll definitely at least start with it. All right, maybe. I might just, maybe you can come in for another episode. <laughs> I'm yeah. <laughs> You can take my spot. Kobe and you can hang out with the cowboy. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw, partner. All right, well, for, group of fourth, we've got TSM, CLG, TL, and Clutch. Uh, Clutch coming off to a weekend. 
uh, TSM and TL kind of the, the surprises here sitting at two and two uh, and CLG I think you know also maybe surprising for, for different reasons people aren't really sure like how good or bad they are I mean I think kind of standard look, for CLG yeah. I guess you're like oh wow they beat Team Liquid oh what is it yeah, when it was a really good game, it was against uh, TL. Yeah, the 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 Lux, Caitlyn, Victor. Yeah, like, they used that for sieging so hey. well. That was great. Stick say, uh, Caitlyn just got two more AD on the current He's, patch. Oh, yeah. it's it's OP. It's unbeatable. Twelve is the patch of Stick say. <laughs> yeah, and Bowfrost already playing all these uh, all these enchanters, double Lux. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if the meta does push towards bot lane again, I think CLG have a pretty easy plan to rely on. Like, it's tough to choose between like power V. I mean, they have threats potentially everywhere and I think one of CLG's biggest things is I never felt like they've decided how they want to play the game mm -hmm. like if we can credit Optic for being a good team at figuring out how they want to play and drafting and playing that way CLG are kind of like we can do just about anything but they never pick a strategy and then if you're not going to pick a strategy it's very difficult to look cleaning games so I'd like I would play around their bot lane because I think they've been reliable before Power Vivo is surprisingly good at enabling other players despite also being a very good carry player and if Ruin's going to run a lot of interference in the top lane you can play 4v4 pretty well or even have him come down and play team fights once I the coordination of the team kind of moves up a bit I think CLG is definitely one of these teams that does get target banned if their bottom lane does well uh, I can totally see Stixa getting Caitlyn bans because he hasn't had it hasn't been like a a lot of Super impressive, uh, like bottom lane performances yeah. from him specifically. I mean, I I do Especially like in spring they weren't great. Do, exactly, I do like Biofrost on like the Yumi and and stuff like that. But um, I can definitely see them getting target banned if if that starts to happen. Like especially the Caitlyn. But to me, the biggest thing for CLG in their wins, I, I really think that Wiggly has had really strong games in their wins. Um, he also had a pretty poor game, so it seems like right now. Uh, you can really, he's kind of the barometer for the team. You can definitely see if he's making all these early plays. Sejuani has been really great for them. Um, if they can make, make get some more consistency there, I can definitely see CLG you know, doing quite well. Yeah, I feel like we say this a lot about CLG, but their pieces are all good. It's just a matter of using them effectively. And I think they struggled with identity a lot in the last split. So I think you can play to your top side and play that way because Wiggly is good. Power Reaver is a great carry player. And I think Ruin has is a player that has shown that he can also play that style. But you need to choose. Like you either leave your bottom lane to be self-sufficient and let your top half carry or pour all your resources into your bottom lane and let them carry. And that involves, you know, Shifting around the metagame, having good reads on what the current like uh, popular strategies are, and also just like not doing things like, hey, we're gonna try this because maybe it works and then it doesn't. Like Power Reaver's a great player. His Aurelia looked fine, but it's not the same as his other like Oriana, his Victor, his champions that he's really known for. Yeah. yeah I mean the, the Aurelia game, uh, you know, he had some pretty big mistakes. Like the the one yeah. V two kill was great, but then he immediately ran it down. Crown and I, I feel like every ult I Crown completely outclassed him. Yeah, like, for yeah. sure. And and it was from a disadvantage because he started with that first yeah. blood and then immediately took a fight into a bunch of minions that died and had no TP and then his lane is doomed. Um I, I think that, you know, CLG, like my my big thing for them was, you know, as much as we we think of 6A and Biofrost as a as a good lane from the past, because they have been from the past, in spring they were so bad. Um I think I think last year it felt to me like Stix A and Biofrost were the shining light for CLG and everything was not working around them. Uh in spring I thought they were bad. Uh they did not play up to their, their level and and kind of 
really at all. Uh, you know, back in summer, they were one of the best laning 2v2s in the league statistically as far as like CSD and all these stats. They did well and the team struggled outside of that. If they can get back to that summer form where they're winning 2v2s, uh, then I think playing around them can make a lot of sense and, and that's great. And it does feel like CLG is wanting to play more towards mid and bot. Uh, Ruin, you know, was the split push guy from the CCL and it feels though that that they're using him more as the like Darshan plug and play where they're going to be looking for more for team fighting. He is not hard committing to split push really uh, thus far. So, you know, it has been more about bringing him down to bot lane and these sorts of things, which uh, will be interesting to see uh, if that kind of continues to, to work for them. Um, and and if, uh, you know, Sticks and Barfrost can have a good split. All right, what about TSM? Do you think they should stick with Grig? Because they have had... Multiple wins now on Greg. I know people always focus on yeah. the game results, and then you can also like show stats and be like, "Look, the jungler won the games when they won." That type of thing. But like, if you actually look at the games, I do think he also Greg played well, mm -hmm. uh, just individually, in, uh, on the Hecarim one, and like the Zillion Yumi draft that they had. Yeah, I thought was exceptionally good and well executed. So TSM's been having this really slow start. That was unexpected, mm -hmm. I think, coming back in the summer because they've been talking about all this practice that they've been doing, the team bonding exercises that they showed on TSM Legends. Um, are they now starting to climb back up? Can you be confident? Or are you still like a little bit unsure I'm, if I'm they're going to make a... I mean, I still think by the end of the split, they're going to be good. I'm I'm still feeling a little bit unsure. Uh, you know, speaking of TSM Legends, when you watch that, you hear, you heard about, you know, Bjergsen talking about how how this team, you know, isn't start having to start over, like that they're they're practice hard and that they're starting from that position that they were in spring and they're going to be really good out the gates and they haven't been, right? And and as far as the Grig versus Acadian thing, I agree Grig has looked better, but you also have to take in consideration quality of opponents. Acadian played against uh, yeah. you know, Liquid and FlyQuest and Grig played against what? Echo Fox and CLG. Um, you know, these are two worst teams that he he was actually going up against. Um, I do think that the individual play, you know, as far as I test, Greg has looked better. Um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, they were so good at the end of spring. They were playing so aggressive. And now it feels like they're going back to like these heavily scaling compositions that I identify with as, as the TSM of old, not this kind of new iteration with Broken Blade where it's like, great, they're playing super aggressive. They're going to use all these flex picks. They're going to do all this crazy stuff. Um, and it's like all Hecarim and, and you know, they have three out of the four games with Hecarim, you know, scaling jungler. They're picking a lot of Zillion. They're feeling like they're wanting to go late game team fight. And that is somewhat concerning to me as far as like that doesn't feel like where the, the meta is at right now. And if you're playing against the best teams and you're depending on on scaling heavily, uh, games are ending so quickly that, that that is my major concern for them. So, you know, if you are really dependent upon that strategy, that to me is like, well, is TSM feeling like they need to do that to get wins? Are they feeling like we just want to do this to try it out? Or, you know, I'm not really sure where they're at with that. Um, but I think TSM has looked much worse now than they did towards the end of spring and in spring playoffs, certainly. They just seem like very uncoordinated. And I, I imagine some of that is because they're like trying to figure out which jungler to play. Like I would like to see them try and truly attempt a six-man roster, but I just know deep down they won't and that's not what they want and they want to pick a player and have them play that position. So if you're not going to do that, then like if you've now getting to a point where you're reaching a decision, then you can maybe start refining your style. But it's not surprising to me, despite all the effort they did 
coming into the split that things aren't working out because there's clearly a lot of stuff they haven't figured out yet. And TSM is a team that's tough to balance because there's a lot of good players on this team and you can play a lot of different ways. Kind of like with CLG, like you have to pick one at some point. Are you playing around Zven and letting him carry? Are you playing around Bjerg and Broken Blade and like ganking their lanes? Like you can play a lot of different things, but you have to also be consistent. One thing that they did say um, after the week one episode was that their comms were too full of oh, extraneous yeah, yeah. information. Yeah, that was interesting. Remember that part? Yeah. Um, and that uh, in practice, they were more relaxed and they didn't. Maybe it was because they didn't feel pressure or something like that. But um, Bjergsen was saying, like, the comms were way cleaner. And then on stage, people were shouting, like, I'm using my ability in one, two. Like, yeah, he actually, yeah, like, counted yeah, through. And you're yeah. like, oh, that sounds yeah, bad. He was like, talking about even clearing a ward. He's yeah. like, all right, my sweeper is up in three. All right, I'm going to be killing this ward now. <laughs> yeah, that, that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> you definitely don't want that, like, on a seasoned team. Yeah. Because that sounds like, oh, we just got our clash team together and everyone's <laughs> like, you know, on league voice or remember whatever. Remember to communicate. Yeah, remember to communicate. And they're like, all right, I'm going to my Krugs. I'm uh, straight from left. I'm straight yeah. from right. Yeah, I'm that, CSing. That, I'm going to go for the game. <laughs> um, so, and that that was after only week one, though. Yeah, so yeah. they already have played week two and, you know, there's been a long time since then. So maybe that has also been cleaned up. I think one of the other big differences is um, we had stats from Broken Blade. In, in spring, like so many other games were around Broken Blade, mm -hmm. some strong split pusher or whatever. Uh, so far in summer, it has it hasn't been quite as much focus there, and has not been a strength. Like the stats are much worse for him in addition to the, yeah, you know, individual plays. So, and I, and I think partially that is is part of the Hecarim thing too, right? If you're drafting for Hecarim and team fighting, and mm -hmm. like Hecarim's not going to be the guy to like go top and match against the Olaf in a two v two generally, right? You know, like those sorts of things I think are harder. So a lot of people have been taking, uh, you know, ignite Hecarim in and then you can then challenges, you fall, yeah. right? Exactly, and so yeah. and that has been a thing. So I, I actually thought, you know, maybe we're going to see more of that. Well, I think we saw what one game. We saw one game. I don't remember. I think if it, Grig did it. One if, game. Grig did do it. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, boom! Like immediately, you get more early power whenever you take the ignite. So I thought that. Uh, I mean, that's what I do every single time, but that's mm -hmm. still a cute. Yeah, it does feel like uh, when I was watching Broken Blade a lot last spring when he was like a super strong player for his team, I feel like I always remember little back pocket Sejuani coming up the lane, making sure everything was okay. And I think, again, like one of the symptoms of changing players around a lot, if that's what they're doing, is that you players play differently or aren't used to doing the things that you used to do. So if Broken Blade's used to having his jungle around a lot, or at least potentially be around, and Greg swapping in and maybe he wants to play more around Bjergsen because they've played a ton together. Like mm -hmm. before, when Greg was intended to be the starter for this year, like there would Bjergsen and he do it all the time because Bjergsen understandably loves doing with his jungler. So like they will already practice and I think they had a lot of synergy built up. So when you have to get a new guy and it's like, uh oh, what do we do? It's like, well, the new guy's on the team. I guess we'll play to his lane. He likes to play carries. And so that was kind of the style that I feel like TSM developed with Acadian last spring. So again, like when you change things, it's tough to know what adjustments to make. I think Broken Blade is partly a symptom of his jungle probably playing differently. I think maybe also just that like the team in general, it just isn't obviously isn't as clean as they were. Yeah. All right, quick check in on Team Liquid because we keep having this story of, oh, after MSI, they said they're burned out, so they didn't practice. Yeah. Um, you get, I say you get, we're at max two weeks. You get you get two weeks coming back. Otherwise, why didn't you just take real vacations the whole time? If you're going to be saying, oh, we're burnt out for the first three, four weeks of the split, take the time to not be burned out. Literally have the team not practice at all. Just show up for the LCS game 
on uh, week one. Like give mm-hmm. them that actual whole time of off to get that- to actually get rested. Then you then okay, you perform poorly one week. But if you drag it out, you like keep sort of practicing, but sort of being burned out the whole time. If if we keep hearing that type of stuff, then I mm-hmm. think it's cause for concern. Um, I I think they're getting it back together right now though right yeah my understanding is they're grinding now. exactly this week should be like okay we're past all of the you know msi hangover excuses or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i think partially it was you know debating within the team of what this what they were going to do some people want to take time off other people don't think Mm -hmm. no you shouldn't take time off you know some management thinks no you guys should be grinding you know some people think okay maybe they should get some time if they need it right you know so i think that was partially what it was some people i think wanted to just be like yep all right, not playing league for a week or two, right? <laughs> and other people are like, no, of course you are. We're practicing. We're going to win, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I think either way, you know, the team is is back on the grind. Uh, definitely is what I have heard. So you know, they're they're all aligned on that now that they're going to be practicing hard. You know, they went two and two, so kind of no room for for vacation type thing is the idea now. So uh, we'll see how how they're going to do in week three. But I mean, week four is Riff Rivals, right? So yeah, yeah. Riff Rivals is coming up pretty soon. I do not want to to hear any excuses. I want this team to be as good as they can be, right? And I think all the North American fans want that. So week three, I'm going to be looking and, and kind of looking at it through the lens of like, hmm, do I think you're going to get slammed at Rivals? Uh, uh, yeah. Right now, not looking so good, my friend. They got slammed in the finals. Okay. I'm only looking at G2. It's not just G2. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm only looking at G2, but G2 is already smashing LEC. Yeah. So that's why I'm pretty scared. (laughs) Yeah. Because we can can beat all the other teams and lose to G2 and still win. I think that's going to be the strat. That is the strat. We're going to have a work around G2. Sack every team to G2. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think exactly, you got to tire them out, you know, throw bodies at them. I think thinking about Liquid for me, every split it feels like they've had a, like some slump and I've gotten shorter and shorter. Like they just like at the end of last spring, they dropped games. I feel like they dropped a couple games in the middle of the split the summer before that. And like it is very difficult to maintain a high level of League of Legends and win every single game, especially now as the competition has only gotten better as the league's gotten older. Um, so I, I want to say that like the little slumping part for Liquid is out of the way. I'm curious to see if they continue to have problems or if they run into problems later down the split, especially this is a team that's so used to winning often throughout the early stages of the split mm-hmm. that I wonder if they'll start like having problems again when like it actually matters, like when their spots are on the line, when they're potentially playing for buys in playoffs and stuff like that. Because obviously this team's goal is to be the first team to win a full championship and just keep winning in general. But you obviously want to give yourself the best opportunity. So finishing second or first is, I think, the goal for every team and especially for a team as ambitious as Team Liquid. So again, they usually have like one like faulty, one or two faulty weeks. They're out of the way. If they're back on the grind, I'm expecting a very different caliber of play. But I wonder how much the like the, the like tiredness or whatever they felt after playing for so long and playing through MSI affects them because I'm used to seeing them slump in the middle, not at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's kind of the MSI hangover, right? They never went this far before, you know, so, so the tournament just lasted longer. If you get knocked out in groups, guess what? You get a couple more weeks vacation before yep. you come back, right? And and the schedule's pretty tight this year, plus they went to finals. Um, last team, at least, I, you know, you guys can touch on whoever you want to touch on, um, but, you know, I, I was watching some of the, the stuff from the heist uh, for 100 Thieves, and um, 
you know, kind of kind of really enjoyed that. But it, it was really interesting to me to see the dynamic that Amazing has with the team. So, you know, seeing him talking to his teammates and talking in the huddles, it feels like Amazing is almost like the coach. Like he is is being very direct, very, you know, much leading the conversation and, and kind of like a really strong personality coming in for the team, you know, talking about how like, they must win, you know, losing is not acceptable, these sorts of things and like and trying to hold people accountable to 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 really like giving it their all and and it's just really interesting to see. So like I thought that that was pretty fun to actually watch. Like he very clearly cares about winning and he is here, you know, wants to win. Um and you know the the, the personality of, of the team for the most part, and you know probably even talks about this in the show is is like the other guys are all much more reserved and kind of quiet and laid back, and, and amazing is like coming out as this pretty aggressive personality and like no, we have to win. This is what we're gonna do. You're gonna talk more. We're gonna fix this. Yesterday was my fault. We're winning today. These guys suck. Like you know, and, and it was just like it was cool to see um, because I do think that. When you are coming off like such a terrible spring split, you need a bit of a kick in the pants, and like mm-hmm. I think you need to to kind of someone to be that spark plug for the team. Um, that gave me some hope that that at least like watching that was like okay, well they they haven't just like given up, right? Like so like certainly amazing, really does care and really wants uh, to kind of fix things. So uh, we'll be interested to see if if they kind of improve going forward. Yeah, you definitely need some sort of fire there, some sort of uh, change in. What the communication is going on. For me, I'll pick Golden Guardians because it feels like we skipped all the way over them. They're tied for second right now. And they've been a blasting. Yeah. Yes, they uh, did drop their last game. What was it? To uh, C9? No, they won that one. They lost. I want to say. Oh, God. Was it FlyQuest? (laughs) All right. I had the wrong page open. (laughs) It was. was, uh, They beat them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the clock. They defeat themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they defeat themselves. So anyways, uh, you know, they lost some game to some, <laughs> some team. Um, but their game, uh, I thought they've been drafting really well, right? They went two Anivia games. The second one they had here with the Varus Poke as well. Um, yeah. And I do think that Golden Guardians are going to be on the rise. They've been playing really well. Clutch. They lost the Clutch. They beat Cloud9 and FlyQuest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the Clutch gaming. Yeah. Um, but... I, I do think because I was most worried about the bottom lane for this team mm-hmm. and them recognizing that and they're like, we're always picking you, Varus or Ezreal, Ezreal. and Tomcatch. <laughs> and then Ole, pick Tomcatch every time. Um, that has been like a really successful for them. So uh, again, your concern about are they going to get target banned in the future? Yes. That will be, <laughs> that's going to be the next kind of pathway that we have to um, you know solve here for Golden Guardians but I'm optimistic for them for sure I mean I think to get the like ban stuff out of the way I think if you aren't banning Tom Kench in phase one like I don't know what the rest of your plan is but that seems like just a mistake to me yeah against Golden Guardians otherwise like again I think the way they're choosing to approach the game is very intelligent pick stable bottom lane and then play around uh some Good players in the top half of the map. Haunts is playing really well. Froggen's playing exceptionally well. And Context is playing significantly better, it feels like, than Last Split as well. That's a good trio to just get work done. And the thing I like about this top half of the map from Golden Guardians is that they're actually pretty creative. Like, Haunter can play carries, but we know he can also play tanks. Froggen has a really unique champion pool, but he's also now proving that he can play meta stuff. And Contract has always been at his best when he's able to be proactive. I think he's not the most aggressive jungler. I think that title probably still goes to, like, Svenskaren or maybe Duduk when he was playing. Uh, But Contract is a, a player that's really good at, like, 
getting information, tracking the enemy jungler, and then setting up plays with your good solo laners. So when you have two good solo laners, there's actually a lot you can get done here. And I've been willing to show a lot of different looks, at least in the top half of the map, while keeping the bottom lane stable. So the way they're approaching the game, I like a lot. And I think if they can show more, especially if their bottom lane can like level up and show that they can now start winning 2v2s if the meta shifts that way. If it shifts back to enchanters, don't worry about it. Never look at bottom lane, do the games, because nothing will happen. But yeah, I'm excited for Golden Guardians. I think they're all playing well. And I think I was someone that was personally not that excited for Froggen when he came into the team and I think he's absolutely proved me wrong he's playing exceptionally yeah I think that's probably the the brightest spot for me I, that Froggen's individual play has been so good yes the Anivia and everyone's gonna be like ah well it's the Froggen Anivia hi he always plays that champion um, but his Aurelia game was also really good it was really good right I, and uh, you know watching some of his solo queue games he is not just pigeonholed on one type of champion even. There have been a wide variety. So I'm super excited to see what Golden Guardians will do. You're talking about their versatility on the top side of the map. Kind of that allows the bottom side of the map to be so much more specific, I think. Yeah, definitely the case. All right, we got some Twitter questions for uh, here for us. Uh, this one, I feel like I didn't paste the whole name. I think uh -oh. I'm seeing some letters, but it was uh, a great question <laughs> I got last week, actually. So I pulled it into this week. Uh, it was from a coach, um, and he's asking, if 100 Thieves have to get rid of either Someday or Bang in order to unlock the import slot ah. uh, mid that he says they so desperately need, which one should they kick? And what other LCS team would then benefit the most uh, from essentially having that player that did get removed? Well, I agree with them. I do think that they need something in the mid lane. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really think you need mid lane control right now. You know, some something at least for, his name. for lane phase that you can <laughs> you could try and fight with. So to answer the question, I go bang actually on the bottom side. I mean, we've said this so many times, but watching Someday, I think Someday is still such a great individual player. Um, and you know, some of, some of Bang's plays don't remind me of a world champion. So, uh, that's, a, that's the one I would definitely go with. Uh, it does make it kind of difficult because then you have to match your bottom lane synergies. That's always one of the most difficult things because it, and what bot laner do you get? It's so hard to know because you're like, you're scouting these people and you're interviewing these people you're not going to know how well they play with your bottom laner until you actually try them out and you have them, you know, play a bunch together and communicate together and you don't know if those problems will arise until they're actually in it. So it's probably one of the harder ones to test, but I think it'd be worth the testing and I would do bottom lane. Yeah. I agree, like, strategically. That so I'm not getting makes, rid of something. That kind of makes the most sense. Like, if you want, especially if the ask is to bring a new mid laner in, then you want to strengthen the top half of your map, which is the one that's playing relatively well, at least top lane especially is. Um, as far as who I'd put in, I actually kind of like someone like Cody for this team. Because they'd have to get him, right? He's on his of, of course, of course. Oh, so you now have to find a free agent? Well, or an uh, academy player? This, this, I can do that. I mean, that's just like... I mean, he just said... The question is, really, who are you going to replace? Yeah. I would um, replace Bang or Someday. Yeah, I would and, and then, yeah, I mean, I think we're all going to be in the same park. Yeah. I, I think Someday is actually the most valuable player right now yeah. on 100 Thieves. I think he's been their best performer, uh, certainly. He, they haven't always been able to convert on his leads, but he's at least getting them. Uh, this was from Coach Fickling. Um, and then the second part of the question was... What other LCS team would then benefit the most from Bang? So, you know, having seen Bang play, do you think that there is a team where it's like, okay, maybe he's not working on 100 Thieves, but he would be great if he was just put with... And that, that I think, is a hard question because you, you would normally, like, before he played, you would have said, 
pro- most teams. You would have yeah. a lot of teams. But Bang has not looked great in LCS, and it's hard to know if that is a result of, of uh, you know, not being on the same page, if that is a result of, of not being able to communicate well with the team or having different ideas about how to play the lane or how to play the game or whatever. I am not really sure, uh, but he certainly hasn't been doing the best in LCS, and I've been hearing that he hasn't been doing well in scrims either. So... It's it's really hard to to know for sure uh, what team I think would would benefit the most. It feels like you need to put him on a bottom lane centric team, and I don't think there are any bottom lane centric teams in the LCS right now. So like, it it feels bad that like if you you kind of have to build around Bang if you want to build a good mm-hmm. team with him, but that's not really the ask of bottom lane right now, and there aren't really teams that are doing that. Like my only thought was maybe like CLG, and most teams have two imports, right? So CLG oh, couldn't even do it. Yeah. It would have to be like FlyQuest or something. Um, and, and given current levels of performance, I don't know that they would even want to. Yeah. Um, but most teams already have two imports. So then you're getting into like this like three-way trade scenario, which gets too complicated. Yeah. But cool question. All right. Uh, thanks a lot to you. And we got one more question here we're going to grab. All right. Okay. Uh, do you, I like this one from Dan King. He says, do you guys think it's better for a team to play only in their comfort zone and go 18-0 into Worlds with nothing special or make it through to, to Gauntlet, second place, et cetera, like go 12-6, and six, whatever, but experiment a lot? I think the results speak for themselves uh, as far as Cloud9 every year at Worlds always doing better than our first place teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cloud9 almost always going through the gauntlet, you know, doing all this, uh, you know, being willing to play all these different picks. Um, Reaper being, you know, doing a very good job of embracing how quick you have to change. There's an interview super recently with Jensen on why he always performs better than, uh, you know, at international tournaments than, you know, guys like Bergson or something like that. Um, and he really credits, you know, how quickly you can you have to adapt to the change. Mm-hmm. Um I think that, yeah, that's a no-brainer answer for me. I yeah. always go with the second one. If you can guarantee that you're going to get to Worlds. Yeah. That's the catch, right? The reason why teams aren't going to you know, do that on purpose is because there's no guarantee that you get through the gauntlet. It's so risky. Yeah. But, of course, if you know that at the end you're going through to Worlds, then, yeah, you try a bunch of stuff. You play through the gauntlet. You, know, you get all the extra games in. You do all that practice. Catches. It's so much... More relaxed. Catches, you might be watching Worlds from home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tickets are booked and you missed the flight, finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, again, they're separate events. Like, yes, doing well in LCS and winning LCS is important. But once you get to Worlds, your only concerns are about how well you do in that tournament. Yeah. So it's just about maximizing how well you do in either situation. Yep, definitely agreed. Last one, uh, we answered this earlier, but I'm going to give a shout out because David Peterly always <laughs> hey, <yeah>. questions. <laughs> and he was asking about the difference between Lux with Aftershock and Lux with Guardian. TLDR for you, David, and for everyone else is you take Guardian against poke lanes, you take Aftershock against all-in lanes. So if you're playing against you know, an Alistar or a Draven, whatever, people are going to try to one-shot you. That's your Aftershock. If you're playing against a Karma and Sivir and that sort of stuff, which is what uh, we saw Guardian actually taken against. That's Poke Lane. Take it against that. And uh, that's going to do it for us this yes, week. Yes, sir. Tune in next week again on Wednesday. Uh, and this weekend, LCS starts at our regular times, Saturday, 2.30. Get and in there. Thank you, Pastry, countdown. for filling in for My us. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Like anytime. Oh, yeah. And if you still have you know any tips on Mark, if yep. you've seen you him see recently, him on the side of a milk carton, let please us send them our way. <laughs> 